Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, hello, all of my beautiful freaking people. Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today is a very important episode. So important. In fact, it is broken up into two parts. So strap in, we are really going there with a dear friend of mine, Carly Craig. Welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19, can you believe us, Jen? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. Have you gotten a chapter six <gasps> He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. Ooh, you guys. So we haven't done two parts of an episode since season one, and that was with Mike Cawson, who is Jana Kramer's now ex-husband. And it's really interesting when I look back at the timing of how that episode played out and what went down in my personal life while we were recording that. The story that we're going to talk about today was broken to me personally, and I was made aware of it the week I recorded those episodes with Mike Cawson. And if you go back to part one of that interview, you'll hear me in the intro talking about how weird it is because I'm currently dealing with two very close friends of mine who are going through some infidelity issues. And That was the very tip of the iceberg that we're diving into in Carly's story. So if you don't know who Carly Craig is, I am so excited to introduce you to her. She has been on Mad TV. She has had an incredible blossoming career and is really just an incredibly talented and beautiful soul. Everyone that meets her is like, she's so kind, she's so wonderful. And I can attest to that she is all of those things. We have become very close friends over the past two and a half years. And when she told me she was finally ready to speak out on what she has gone through, I was not only proud of her, I was a little nervous because. Tay and I have been very involved with this entire situation. Involved and entangled, I would say. It's um it's a very tricky web that got weaved. And I knew that it was going to need to be broken up into two parts in order to thoroughly 
dig through everything that has taken place. So I do want to make everyone aware for both of these episodes this week's and part two next week, there are some trigger warnings. We are going to talk a lot about mental health, about narcissistic abuse, about PTSD, about depression and suicidal ideation. And while there will be moments of levity and girl talk and laughter, because that's how Carly and I roll. Um, it's a very, very heavy thing that this human went through. It is also very interesting to hear how she talks about her ex. Um, normally when I bring people on, I'm like, okay, let's pick a fake name uh, or we'll call him, you know, him or my ex. And she has been so traumatized by what she has gone through with this person. You'll hear a lot of times in the interview, she'll refer to her ex as them or they, uh, because she, she almost has to disassociate in order to recognize or keep separate, if you will, the person that she thought she knew versus the person who she looks at today. Um, so it's a really it's a really heavy one, but the strength that comes through from her healing and her sharing her story is so incredibly powerful. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So let's jump in to part one of Carly Craig's episode. Carly motherfucking Craig. <laughs> What's up, girl? <laughs> Welcome to FML Talk. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. Besides the fact that I'm obsessed with this tiny human and <laughs> I just think you're so goddamn talented and you're just a little star in in the life of, of Hollywood right now. Thank you. Um, but I'm also really, as a friend, really proud of you for being here today because I know it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Like I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm, Are you I'm, nervous? I'm pretty nervous, okay. um, but I feel good. You know, I feel like I have had the time to process everything that I've been through and, you know, the irony that we've been able to get so close and that I was in your life when shit hit the fan, yeah. so to speak. Um, and the fact that, you know, you have this community of women and you have an audience and um, a following based on basically exactly what I went through. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm so thankful to you. You've been such a good friend to me. I'm like, I'm like, oh, am I going to cry in the first 30 <laughs> seconds? But really, I'm I'm thankful that you um are in my life and have been such a, you've been my support system. Like you were basically my therapist all summer last year. And <laughs> I just appreciate you so much. Oh, I love you. Um, it's so crazy because this situation not only is like directly obviously involved with your life, but I feel pretty heavily involved in it in ways as well, because I was so not in the middle, but like friends with you and your ex. And it, I, I felt like I was getting both sides of, of the situation when it was happening. And so I feel kind of invested in the story as well. Yeah. Um, and I have some anger around it as well. Mm -hmm. So I can't even imagine how you feel. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely mixed emotions. It's like every day is different. Um, it's grief. It's 
anger, it's sadness, um, but it's also, I mean, I'm so happy to say that I'm finally in a place of hope and optimism and looking to the future. It's It's been a really long road to finally get here, but you know, I am so lucky to have such an amazing support system in my life where I feel like, I've, I mean, and I've done a lot of hard work to get to this point. So it's all the, it's all the things. All the things. Yeah. So take me back. <sighs> take me back to the beginning of this specific relationship that we're going to be talking about and yeah. how all of it started. Do we want to come up with a surname or are we just going to keep it like the ex? I think it's them, them. them I they, mean, they at he, this point, the ex. at this point, they are a distant memory. Okay. If I'm being completely honest and that's so sad for me to say, but you know, I, as I, as I will be explaining, you know, I've had to go through a real grieving process to put this person, this individual to rest in my memory yeah. as if they've passed away. Because yeah. ultimately what I was dealing with was something I, I could have never been prepared for. I had no idea um, who they actually were. So it, it's been an interesting road. Um, but yeah, I think they is appropriate. Okay. So he who shall not be named. Yeah. So take me back to the beginning of when you guys got together and what that was like. Sure. So, um, so I, I guess I'll tell you about kind of the time leading up to when we met. Um, I had booked the biggest job of my life on mad TV, um, the year before. So I booked, sorry, I'm like, my heart's beating really fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I had booked mad TV. It was like a series, regular credit. I basically had been an assistant leading up to that point. So this was like my career break and I was super excited about it. And that was summer 2016. And then the show kind of just ended where I had only been in LA for three years. And I was like, Oh, this is how it works. You come to LA and then you book, a a job three years later and then that's how it starts and I'm a star I'm a star <laughs> there goes my career right um and so the the series kind of like we did eight episodes and then it sort of just ended and tapered off and I was in a very vulnerable place I was really sad because it was like oh my god all my dreams like they're not actually happening the way that I had anticipated mm -hmm. and I had been riding such a high that whole summer um, so then I went to New York um, that fall and I did my first ever one woman show um, and I called it Small But Fierce. And it was sort of like I had grown up doing theater and I was like, all right, well, if I'm not doing sketch, then what do I do? And I'm like, well, I'll just go back to the stage because that's what I who I really am. And maybe I start doing that. I just need to find a new path because clearly this gig is not going to continue. Yeah. So um, I do the show. I come back home and then. Um, that was like November. And then I came back to LA and on Christmas day, uh, he and I had been kind of liking each other's photos on Instagram and stuff. And I had a couple drinks and was like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to slide in that DM. And I was just like, Hey, I see you liking all my, all my photos. Like what's goody, you know? <laughs> and like set him a, a selfie of me in my jacuzzi. I was Bold. actually, I like it. Right. I, like I was it. also staying at the Mario Lopez house at the time. So Dead. I lived in a, I lived in Mario Lopez's old bachelor pad with a group of girls. He didn't live there. I lived there with these girls. And, um, so I was like, Oh, let me send him a picture of me in this jacuzzi with these marble columns Dead. and like whatever. So we start talking and then, um, they were out of town for, uh, Christmas and we're like, they were like, yeah, let me take you out when we get back. So we went out kind of the first week in January. Um, 
And something I want to say, and I don't know that I've told you this, but my gut feeling when I met this person was like, they, they're not the person for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Like mm. I met them at a bar or at a, a restaurant and they were waiting at the bar and like, they were like all hunched over and like touched my arm a little too soon. And I was like, Ugh, like, I don't know. Not the right vibes. Not the right vibes. But then, you know, they're handsome and charming. And we sat down and we both love comedy and started connecting on that level. And I was like, all right, you know what? At the very least, this is going to be a one night stand. And then I'll never, <laughs> and then I'll never see them again. Right. And that was literally what my plan was. Like when I was on the date, I was like, I'm never going to see this person again, whatever. So just go for it. Yeah. So just go for it. So I went for it and it was fine. Um, but then that that week I had a bunch of auditions and I was like, yeah, I have a lot of auditions this week. Like, just like, don't talk to me basically when, <laughs> when they left the house. And then, um, they texted me like that Friday and was like, how'd your auditions go? And then I was like, huh. And then that's when the relationship began. Okay. Much. So I think it's poignant information that this person you grew up watching a show he was in. Yeah, I grew up watching them on TV um, doing a comedy show. And so I was very, um, very, what's the word? Um, allured like, by yeah, them. Not like, like I, a fangirl, but like you have this kind of like- They were on a pedestal. School girl crush. Yeah, totally. They were my childhood crush, no doubt. And yeah. so they were on this pedestal. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's a show that everybody watched. I mean, I watched it. Yeah. Everybody- anyone who's a millennial has seen it and yeah. um yeah I was like oh my god like my childhood crush wants me like yeah. how how lucky am I that this person wants to be with me like this is and and again I had just come off of this whole like depressive episode low-key got kind of manic as well when I was in New York because I was just so sad about the mad tv thing ending and I was since I was so fragile so then I when I met them I was like oh my god every that's why mad tv didn't continue because I have found this person mm. and it's all falling into place for me oh interesting like the universe divinely made all of this happen 100%. for me to end up with my person and both of us were very spiritual so that was how we connected was yeah. like oh it all happened in divine timing and you know there was quite a big age gap but it was sort of like oh neither of us would have been ready if we met at a different right. time in our lives but yet I was only 25 mm -hmm. so I was very uh looking back on it vulnerable and um and so and and yeah again I think I was just so um excited to have something going for me that was like something to look forward to yeah. that I sort of like that was when the rose colored glasses got put on yeah yeah summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon one of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals no prep no mess no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son. And for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, 
and desserts, it's a treat to have restaurant quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. So. You guys start dating. Yeah. And how does the relationship go? Well, the beginning, it was like a big bomb was dropped in the first, like when we first made it official. Um, So when we first decided that we were going to be together, I was about to go to New York to audition for Wicked for Glinda on Broadway. And I was like, and it was one of those self tapes that I had done um, that week after we went on our first date Mm -hmm. and they had called me in from that self tape. And so I was about to fly to New York (laughs) and audition for my dream role on Broadway. Like again, only 25 years old. And I'm like, had never auditioned for a Broadway show before. And I'm like, how is this happening to me? But whatever, I'm so excited. But then I was kind of sad because I was like, but I have this great thing going with them. And I like, what if I book a Broadway show, you know, like I'll be then at this relationship would never happen. And I won't get to be with my childhood crush. Like, so that was sort of in the back of my head, Mm -hmm. um, going to New York. And before I left, I said, Hey, it would make me feel so great if before I go, we make this like official. I just want to know that like in my heart, we're together no matter what happens. Like say I kill it and I book it. Like I want this to continue because we have such a strong spiritual connection. I'm so in love with you. It's only been a month. um, And I just want to know that. And he's like, yeah, we're together. We're together. So I go to New York. I, you know, we're FaceTiming the whole time. And I'm like, man, I've got this person in my corner. I'm so just excited and like man i'm i'm living my freaking dream right now i'm auditioning for glinda on broadway and i've got like the man of my dreams so i come back and they had offhandedly mentioned you know some people are going to be pretty upset that we're together and i didn't really know what that meant but then we posted a picture together on Valentine's Day as like our official announcement that we were together, kind of. Yeah. I'm so excited because I'm like, everybody from my high school is gonna see that I'm with this person. <laughs> I'm like, how cool do I look? You know, I was voted headed to Hollywood in high school. Stop. I'm like, this could not be more headed to Hollywood. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, so we post this picture and within like 10 minutes, his phone is blowing up and I'm like, He's like, I got to take this. I got to take this frazzled leaves. And I'm like, what's going on? So then they come back inside and they're like, listen, remember how I said some people will be very upset that we're together. And I said, yeah. And they said, well, when you were in New York, I did something. And I said, what are you talking about? And he explains to me that this, there's this girl, let's call her Sarah. Okay. That that's, there's that side note. That's my best friend's name. So, so no maybe hate, no hate to you, Sarah. No, we'll go with Sarah. Sarah it's fine. Okay. I, I love Sarah, I'm, but it's a basic name. So, yeah. So Sarah, uh, I I've been, I've been seeing Sarah. Sarah helped me through a really hard time. I didn't know how to break things off with her, but, um, we slept together while you were in New York. Mm, devastating. And I'm like, and I should have walked away at, in that 
in retrospect, my gut was like, what the fuck? Like mm -hmm. I was so, um, I, I was, I was betrayed, but I mean, now not on any level than I, that like now I've gone through, but then I was like, why would they do that? Like, I, I didn't really understand it, but I, but the way that it was twisted and the way that I understood it was, and what I remember saying to them was, you know, what I, what I see here is that you really cared about this other person and you wanted, you wanted to treat them with kindness and you didn't know how to navigate this. So here's the deal. If you break things, I need you to choose. Like you, you need to break things off with Sarah and then we can be together. And we're just going to call February 15th, our anniversary mm. instead of February 14th. Yeah. And so that's how our relationship began. Mm. So, and he agreed to that, to do that. He was like, crying oh my god thank god thank god i want you i want you i'm in love with you i don't i don't care for this other person this other person was like just whatever i like you are the one that i want i want a future with you i want everything with you and it was just such this explosive feeling of love and like you know staking the claim and like proclamation for love yeah and, and this from is the rooftops. yeah and this is my person this is gonna be my husband yeah. and we've already we're only a month in and we've already agreed that like this is it you know and so i'm like you know what i not like i'm gonna let it slide but i was like okay well I made myself very clear. And I said, and I do not want you talking to that person because all they would tell me about Sarah was they're manipulative. They're, they have uh, bipolar disorder. They're all these things. Um, and, and also at the time I thought that I had some sort of, I was on the bipolar spectrum, which now I've figured out I am not, which we can get into later. Yeah. But um, at the time, you know, he was like, yeah, she's, she's unstable. She's crazy. She's all these things. And I was like, well, that sounds like something Thing, some person that you probably don't even really want in your life if they're if they're causing you this much stress and anxiety yeah so ultimately that was the agreement was okay we'll be together but you break things off with this woman yeah so from there you guys have a long-term relationship how long ultimately we wound up being together for four years okay and during those four years now looking back on it, what were the red flags mm -hmm. that you see? You're like, how much fucking time? Do <laughs> yeah, you have, how Gabrielle? much time do you have? <laughs> I would say the first red flag was seeing the way that he talked to his mom on the phone, where he was yelling at her and was very verbally abusive. Um, I said, listen, if that's the way that you speak to your mother, this is not going to work. Yeah. So. So seeing the way that he talked to his family was just something that I didn't really agree with. Um, and then I would say another major red flag was probably how they acted in private versus in, in around other people. Yeah. So like, you know, at home they would have these like outbursts or like Temp, for lack of a better term, temper tantrums. Like I was never, they never physically laid a hand on me, but it was like, you know, they looked like they were going to punch a wall and then like would stop right before they punched the wall. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And then, um, but then like out in person, it was like happy go lucky charmer guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't think 
and 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 the way that I viewed it was, oh, they're a child actor. Like, you know, they had a very specific kind of upbringing. Like maybe they, this is just a quirky thing about them. Like maybe it's just, that's just the way that they are that they, you know, have this anger problem or they have all these like issues, but then to the outside world, they, they present a certain image. And I just kind of accepted that for what it was. And I, and looking back, I tolerated a lot of behaviors. Um, and I've had to since look at myself and think, why did that feel like a safe environment to me? You know? Um, but yeah, I think, I think those were probably the main two that yeah. I was like, this isn't really how normal people act. Yeah. So when I met him, it was on a film that we were acting in together and the whole cast then went out, you know, and you came out with us and I was <laughs> like, who is this fucking little blonde ball of fire that is like- Face down ass up. Jiggling her <laughs> ass to fucking like- like gnarly hip hop in this club. Um, and I was like, this is my people. Yeah. <laughs> and we just clicked and everybody loved you. And I remember looking at him that night and being like, dude, your chick is fucking rad. And he was like, I know, I don't know how I got this lucky. Like everybody loves her. She's incredible. Um, and that, that was very much so how it always was whenever outside people looked in mm. at you two. Um, and Which we, I didn't realize. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he, he talked about you in very high regard all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we became really close, um, over the, the year and a half. Um, and then when quarantine hit, we were like a pod quarantine buddies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like, okay, you guys are being safe and you know, we know that and we're being safe and we know that. So you and Tay and I and him would hang out often mm-hmm. um, and had some really like bonding times together. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and when was it when you, cause I mean, during this time, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys were talking about getting married. You were taking vacations together. Like it, you were, you were living together and then moved into a new place together. Yeah. I mean, they were using like the pandemic and quarantine as an excuse as to why we weren't engaged yet, you know, like the, the money and, or whatever. And originally when we had first gotten together, we had always talked about timelines. We were like, okay, probably around three years together, we'll get engaged, then we'll get married and then have a baby. Like it'll all probably be within like five years. Yeah. That's normal as couples, which is, which is normal, which means by now I would have a baby. Right. If, if this had continued, um, or stuck to the timeline that we had originally like talked about. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, it was all okay. We're, you know, through the whole relationship, there was a lot of, well, when we have properties in this city and that city, and when we have, you know, all of these, it was a lot of future faking. Now looking back and knowing what that is, these were all delusions. These were all things that were never, that I was never going to achieve because of the abuse and um, what, how I was being held back financially, how I was being held back career-wise, emotionally, so much about it, um, I reflect on and I'm like, man, I really believed them. Yeah. So I guess we'll start from my perspective on the day that we got that call and then you can take me through what led up to that call. Sure. So 
I got a call from you and I could immediately hear it in your voice and you were in tears and you were like, hey, um, can you and Tay come over? He has some really devastating news that he needs to share with you. Mm -hmm. And to paint a picture for people listening as how, because people know Tay and I really well and the standard we hold our inner circle Mm -hmm. to. Let me paint a picture as to who we thought this was. We got that call and we got in the car immediately to come over and we looked at each other and I was like, okay, either he's in massive trouble financially or someone has died or is dying. Like those were the only three options that were plausible in each of our brains. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, looking back on it, if anyone were to hear a girl call and say, you know, he has to tell you something, it's terrible. Nine times out of 10, they'll be like, oh, he's cheating. Oh, something, you know, there's been infidelity. Something's happened like that. Nowhere in our brain was that a possibility Mm -hmm. at all. So we show up to your house, you come outside, you're a mess. And the first thing you say to us is, please just be kind to him. Please just show him kindness and love. And we were like, what the fuck is going on? So walk me through what happened that week leading up to you guys making that phone call. So the week leading up to the phone call, I was really at my wits end. Um, because he had reconnected with Sarah and, and he had mentioned Sarah, like back in 2018, he was like, listen, I know that you said we, you don't want us to be together, but, or or, you don't want me to see this woman, but she helped me through a tough time. That's all he would say is she helped me through a tough time. And I want this person in my life. And I'd said, I'd say, okay, you can go get lunch with her at chop stop or whatever the fuck. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm trying to be the cool girl. I'm like, okay, it's been a year at this point. Fine. He come back and talk about, oh, she got these like duck lips and she has gotten ass implants and she looks, she has these new boobs and she looks terrible and it's so sad. And he framed it in a way where it was like, man, she's just as toxic as, you know, I ever knew. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds really sad. Like, again, why do you want a friend like this? I don't, I don't know. And, and again, like that's not knocking anybody that gets plastic surgery. All I'm saying is like, he framed framed it in a way where it was like, this person's deeply troubled and has these severe mental health issues and body dysmorphia and all these things. And they're really a lost person. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, you know, that is really sad. So then Um, I didn't really hear about her after that, but I would see them like DMing on Instagram and I'd say, Hey, like that makes me really uncomfortable. I told you, I I would prefer if you don't talk to Sarah and he'd say, well, it's only memes. Like you can look at our conversation. It's only memes. And I'm like, but that doesn't matter. It's, it makes me uncomfortable and I'm, you're my partner. And I'm telling you, I, that this isn't okay. I don't trust this person. This is a boundary. This is a boundary that I need to be set. And I was always made to feel bad about that. Right. So over the years, like that would just continue that that behavior never changed. And he came to me in June during the, during quarantine and 
all frazzled. And again, we had been isolated together. And he comes to me one day and he says, remember my friend, Sarah? And I said, yeah. And he goes, she's threatening to kill herself. I don't know what to do. I have never dealt with something like this before. I've told you about how she has all of these issues and I am just so scared. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, how serious do you think this is? And he's like, pretty serious. She's threatening to kill herself tonight. And I said, okay, be safe. Go check on her, see how she's doing, wear your mask, you know, um, cause it's also quarantine and I'm yeah. like, you're, this was, In this was, this was pandemic. June, 2020. This was like, we, you know, stay the fuck inside. Yeah. Stay yeah. inside. So he comes to me, he's all frazzled. And then I let him go and I'm like texting him like the suicide prevention hotline. I'm sending him a list of like all of these, um, you know, resources. And like, if she does this, this is what you do. If she is talking like this, this is what you do. Cause I also had had a manic breakdown when I was 18. So I had been in a crisis situation before. And so I, you know, he was visibly stressed out or distressed. And, you know, I was like, all right, well, whatever I can do from afar to be helpful, like I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to do. So I kept sending these things and I was and like, and that's just the type of person you are to be like, not that Sarah deserved any sympathy from you after the past that they had had. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're such a kind person that still you were like, here's some resources. What can I do to help? Like, yeah, I was just, just like, go and then let's talk about it when you get home. And so he ultimately was there for like five hours and then came home at like three in the morning. And I was like, is everything okay? And he's like, I'm really glad I went over there. She's doing okay, but you know, whatever. So then it continued. He would keep getting these phone calls and, or he would be texting her and his whole body would be like this while he's on the couch. And I'm like, you have told me multiple times this person's manipulative and toxic. You cannot be that per clearly this person has a lot going on internally and you can't be that person that they depend on to call you if they're going to off themselves. You know, that's not the person you want to be for them. And, and I, I don't want to not have sympathy for your friend, but like, this is becoming a lot, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so this continued for, uh, so I, I called you guys on, uh, like beginning of January, right after new yeah. year's and it was like new year's day or the day after new year's. Yeah. Um, and this was in June of the previous year. So the, that whole six months, I mean, there's so much that happened in that yeah. time. Um, but essentially it was just this un, it was this unwavering, like push pull of me being like, you know, this is this friendship starting to make me uncomfortable. I told him, you know, I'm starting to feel really depressed, like really depressed. And I don't know why. And unfortunately, by sharing that, I feel like it gave them ammunition because then 
the following months were, all right, well, maybe you should talk to your therapist about why this friendship makes you uncomfortable. You know, it's probably because of your high school boyfriend. You told me he was a little, you know, crazy, right? And then he would, he would keep saying, I would say, you know, I don't, I really don't want you to go over there. And he'd look me dead in the eyes or hold my face and say, are you sure it's okay? I go over there until I was frozen. And I'd say, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I just completely, I also then started questioning my own reality because I was like, am I being a crazy bitch for wanting to get in the middle of this friendship? And then that was where I was at, at that point. And that's a prime example of how harmful gaslighting can be to look at your partner and use things from their past to say, maybe you should go back and see your therapist and maybe you're the problem here is insane. And, and we'll get into the whole part about my dog passing away because that was, I think that like started to blow the lid off of. Yeah. So let's, I mean, we're kind of, we there might the as timeline. well just go in there. Yeah. Um, so I had a, a pup Cornelius, who's my angel and love um, you, Cornelius. Love you Corny. <laughs> um, and Cornelius was like my child, you know, Corny was my baby. And we also, he had started having these emotional outbursts at our old apartment. Like he was like slamming dishes one day and was just like, I'm going to lose it like this quarantine. And I'm like, listen, why don't we try to find a different apartment? You know, we're in this big luxury building, which I couldn't afford side note. Um, and okay, let's get out of here. So I find us this like beautiful four bedroom condo for the same price as our two bedroom. We decorate it like to a T and I'm doing all these things to try to fix whatever it is that he's going through emotionally because yeah. I'm like, maybe we both need an office. Maybe we just need to be separated a little bit or like, let's figure this out. So I find us like this condo and then I even went to the condo one night and was like, let's have like a little sage ceremony. Like let's do a little thing. And he had like another outburst then and was like, I don't have time to do this. I don't want to fucking do this. And I'm like, why are you acting like this? Like I was doing everything in my power to help the situation and help this person get through the pandemic. Yeah. That's how I was seeing this. Yeah. So we get the uh, condo all set up and then a month to the day that we move into that condo out of nowhere, my dog is nine years old, perfectly healthy, has three seizures back to back and I have to put him down. Yeah. And for people that are listening, like that would be like me losing Finn. Like it's like literally your child that moved from state to state with you and was like your rock. Yep. I found him in, in my college town and brought him out to LA with me and everything. Like he was my emotional support animal. Yeah. And so we have to put him down and we're driving to, he's at the hospital and he and I are driving to go put him down and he's texting somebody. But at that point I have no energy to confront them I'm focused on the fact that I'm losing my baby animal, like yeah. my child. And so we go and like, you know, it's, it's, a, it was horrible, like to have to sit there and like, you know, make that choice. But I did. And so anyway, we, we come home and the next day um, I'm crying at my desk and just grieving and like, I'm in shock that I've, I had a perfectly healthy animal and then 48 hours later he's come, he's gone. Yeah. 
And, um, and it was a traumatic 48 hours of you paying like thousands and thousands of dollars to try and keep him alive. Yeah. Yeah. It it was really awful. And then he comes into my office and says, Hey, can you come out here for a second? And I walk out and I don't know what's happening, but I, I walk, I go to the front door and there's a woman outside of my home with flowers and a mask on. And I'm like, I'm like confused. I'm like, who the, who, who is this? First of all, like, and then I look at him and I see his face and he's just like shell shocked. And I'm like, what's going on? And I realized that it's Sarah and I had never met Sarah. So I was like, why is Sarah here? Yeah. Then she steps into my house and is like, I can't even imagine what you're going through. Oh my God, can I give you a hug? She hugs me and I'm like standing there frozen and I'm just so confused and devastated, you know? And, and so she hands me the flowers. They have like dog treats wrapped to them for our other dog, Otis. And, and then she's like, if you need anything, like, let me know anything you need at all. Like, please let me know. It was really bizarre. And at this point, all you know is that this is someone who he slept with the, you know, first month you guys were together and now has like this weird toxic friendship with whenever she freaks out and says she wants to kill herself. Correct. That's exactly how I viewed it. And that this was a- Which is still weird that she's showing up at your house. (gasps) Yeah. Even in those terms. Right. And I'm like, how does she know where we live? Right. Also. So, so- the first thing that he says to me after she leaves is, wasn't that so nice of her? Mm. I'm like shaking even talking about it. Cause yeah. I have, I have night terrors about this incident a lot. Yeah. Um, and sorry. You're good. It's like reliving the yeah. fucking, it's like a horror movie. Honestly, like I didn't even, I didn't even know what to make of that. And so so she leaves. He's like, it wasn't that so nice of her. Then I start like, you know, whatever the, that whole time period was just awful. And I'm, I'm so sad over losing Cornelius. And, um, three weeks later, her dog passes away. And so he's like, I'm going to go over there and check on her. And meanwhile, like I am still not healed yet. I'm still like, like grieving. Like it's a bait, like my, my baby is gone. And like, and so we got into a huge argument because I said, that was, the, that was honestly like the first time that I really truly spoke up about how I actually felt about the friendship. Because up until that point, I was trying to be empathetic and understanding. And I was always tiptoeing around it because, okay, this person's unstable. I have sympathy for them because, you know, I've been through my own mental health challenges, you know, so I've been, I tread, I treaded very carefully up until that point. Mm -hmm. But that was the point that really rocked me because I was like, this is a girl you used to fuck and you're going over there when I'm not healed yet. And you're making sure she's okay. Yeah. Like this really hurts. And I, I don't understand. And then it became well, I didn't know how, I didn't know that made you that uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, what, how the fuck am I supposed to feel? Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I love you and I, I want, 
I don't want to be the person to tell you who you can and cannot be friends with, but this is like crossing a line because this is driving a wedge between us. And I'm really, I feel very betrayed right now, you know? So I didn't really understand it. Um, and after that, you know, I didn't feel sexy. I didn't feel like, like I was crying. I couldn't do anything without crying for a month. Yeah. And, and I went to him one day and I said, you know, I, I don't feel sexy. I don't feel, you know, we haven't had sex in a while and you know, I, I don't, I'm about to go home for Thanksgiving for 10 days. I hate to think this way, but I really don't want you spending time with Sarah while I'm gone. I don't, I don't know why, but anytime you're texting her, I've got this visceral reaction that happens inside of me. My stomach flips upside down. I feel incredibly uncomfortable and I don't trust them because all you've told me is how toxic they are. And I can see how it's weighing down on you. I can see how your body tenses up every time you're talking to them. This is not a healthy friendship for you. And I don't feel comfortable being out of town. It's scary for me. And I don't want them to make a move on you. And he was like, no, absolutely not. Like, I, I promise I will not go over there. I, you know, you're my, you're my babe. I love you you have nothing to worry about. And I'm like, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm probably overreacting, you know? So then I go home to Florida for Thanksgiving and he had said something weird before that, like, yeah, well, you're leaving me for 10 days. And I was like, we've been together all year. Like, and I haven't seen my family at all. Like whatever. So that was kind of odd. I go home to Florida and while I'm there, he finds some sort of reason why he's going to go over to her house And at the time, our other dog, Otis, had this like massive infection on his side. And he was telling me, yeah, I'm going to, you know, just so that I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to I'm going to put Otis in doggy daycare, um, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to go over because it's her birthday the night before Thanksgiving. And I'm like. I really don't want you putting Otis in doggy daycare. I really would prefer you not. And he just talked his way around it and was like, this is what I'm doing. And then I'm going to go over for her birthday. Like, why even tell you you're out of town? You know, at that point, it's like, why are you even saying, okay, I'm going to do this and convincing you that it's fine. Right. When I was like, I'm out of town, there's nothing I can do about it. He's, he's responsible for our animal. So he's going to do whatever he's going to do. But I'm like, you know, I'd really prefer not. And he's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll actually be good because, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be there, blah, blah, blah. So it's her birthday that night. And I'm, you're just so mad. I just, I just can't. So, (laughs) so we're, I'm, so I'm texting, you know, tell her I say happy birthday. He's texting me. Yeah. You know, this is a picture of her foster dog. And, um, and I'm like, oh my God, so cute. You know, have fun you too. Like, you know, you know, I'm just trying to be nice. It's her birthday, whatever. She just lost her dog. I also wrote her a note for her dog because she had brought me flowers. So I wrote a note saying like, you know, here are things that have helped me get through me losing my animal. Um, so I was like, you know, just being nice or whatever. And so then I come back from out of town and Otis will not go near him, our dog. Otis will not even go close to my ex. And the wound on his side is severely infected. And the way that he was acting, the thought did cross my mind. He's acting like this person's cheating on me. 
like the dog is acting like, but then I was like, no, he's probably just sad about Cornelius. This infection on his side needs to be taken care of. And also what have you been doing for the 10 days I was gone? Like, why didn't you tell me that it was this bad? And why didn't you take him to the vet? Yeah. So then whatever, we get the thing handled. And then I'm trying to like research getting a puppy. And then you hooked us up with Wagmore and I, we got Oliver two days before Christmas. So we, you know, take all, and, and also mind you during this time period, then it becomes, listen, I really want you to extend an olive branch and reach out to Sarah. I've told you that I really want this person in my life. And it, it really does bother me that you haven't made the effort to become friends with her when this would mean a lot to me. If you guys aren't watching this episode on YouTube, I'm sure that your facial expressions are <laughs> similar to mine where your fucking like jaw is on the floor and you're like, how the audacity, like how does that even make sense to ask that of someone? Right. And especially with all the buildup and everything right. that was like, this person is toxic, volatile, all these things. And you're asking me to be friends with them. I've had crazy roommates. I've had crazy exes. I'm sitting here and I'm saying, I don't like giving myself, I don't like giving people like that access to me. Yeah. So that's going to be a hard no. And it was like, I was made to feel so bad that I didn't want to be friends with a person like this yeah. and so guilty. And then that was where like the therapist comment came out about, you know, well, maybe you're uncomfortable because, and I'd say, you know, I really need you to set boundaries with this person because this is getting out of hand. And it was just an endless loop where I'd say, I need you to set a boundary. And they'd say, okay, I'm going over there to set a boundary. And then they'd be there for four hours. And uh -huh. I'm like, what, what the fuck? So then I start talking to my therapist and, you know, it's like, I didn't want to see right. What was right fucking in front of me. Right. And, but again, this is coming from a person who even we were like, not him. There's no way. There's no way. And so, so we get the puppy, we have Christmas. There's still this like ongoing, just like icky feeling like this dark cloud. And I'm, and I'm stressed in my job. I'm feeling so unhappy. And I feel like I'm in this endless loop of just fighting for our relationship. And I'm sitting here thinking we're approaching four years and we're not engaged yet. Like what, what is going on? And he even went as far as to be like, can you just trust me and know that you're going to be my wife? It's, it's fine. I, you, I can tell you're starting to put pressure on me. And I'm like, it's not that I'm just, I'm excited to be your wife. And I want to know, like, like I have timelines that I want to hit. I want to, I want to start a family. I want to do things like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, we were told as well that he was saving for a ring. Right. And so this was my one. And so then, then two days after Christmas, we go to get a COVID test, like far, like in Santa Monica, and we bring the little puppy with us and he gets a text that like, like a Harry Potter novel, like long ass text <laughs> on his phone. And I'm like, I see it. I see it come through. Cause he's driving, which also he would do that often. He'd be texting and driving. Mm -hmm. And I know he would be texting Sarah and 
I see the text come through and I'm like, you know what? I'm just so over it at this point. I'm going to just see if he says he's going to go over there to check on her, right. as he would put it. I'm going to mm -hmm. go check on her. I'm going to go check on her. So we had plans that day to like do all sorts of shit, like, you know, just setting goals for the new year and all these things. And he comes to me at like three, you know, we're home for maybe an hour. It's like 3 p.m. And he's like, you know, I'm going to go check on Sarah. I was going to go over there this weekend anyway. So I'm just going to go over there and like check on her. What? Like she's a fucking infant. Right. I don't understand. Also, mind you, this woman is apparently in her mid thirties. So I don't know. So I'm like, whatever. So yeah. it's it, all of it is so confusing to me. I'm, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, let me know when you're back. Cause we do want to do that goal setting and stuff. Mm -hmm. And hours go by. Like, I sit and I watch the whole Ariana Grande special, the whole Taylor <laughs> Swift special, and he still hasn't texted me anything. And I, and it, and I'm like, he's cheating on me. Like I felt it in my heart. And, and then that song by Taylor Swift, the one mm -hmm. came on and it's like, it would have been fun if you were the one. And I was like, he's not the one. Mm -hmm. Like that was the moment that I was like, this is not it. This is not it. Why would somebody who cares about me treat me like this? What, what is going on? Yeah. Why is this person a priority? This makes no sense to me. Yeah. Then I get really upset with him that night when he gets back and I ask him to pick us a pizza because then I'll know when he's going to be coming home. And it takes like a whole other hour, hour and a half for him to even like give me a real ETA and we got on the phone and he's like, well, I was only there for two hours. And I go, it was five and a half because how many times had he, had he done that to me before? And I was starting to notice, oh, he's been telling me, no, I've, I was only there for this amount of time. He even went as far as one time to say, well, I've only gone over there like, like a couple times. And I'm like, you've gone over there. I've, I've allowed you to go over there. And I hate to put it that way, at least 20. Yeah. And you're framing it as you've only been there a few times. Like this is, this makes no sense. Yeah. So then he has this like severe breakdown, like crying, shaking, sobbing, has to take a walk around the block, like full-blown breakdown, sobbing in my arms. And I'm like, wow, this pandemic's really getting to him. Right. Like, that's what I'm thinking. But I'm, I'm like, I don't even know what, like, what to make of this. But all I'm thinking is, you know, I really need to do something. Where my head was, I was, I really need to do something nice for him because obviously he's having a really hard time and like, we got to figure this out. But then like the next few days, I started talking to my therapist about it and she was like, you know, you need to start asking these questions because yeah. clearly we've been working on this for the past four months and his behavior isn't changing. So like, these are the things you need to ask, like why he doesn't have any other female friends, X, Y, and Z. Like he, you know, the list, it was a whole little list yeah. of points for me to hit. So it's new year's Eve and we're about to, um, we're going to celebrate at home and 
I'm like, I need to talk to him about this. Like this is, I need to present these questions that my therapist helped me put together because I need to understand what the fuck is going on. And I need to tell him and be firm because little Carly Craig never stands up for herself. I'm always tiptoeing around other people, making sure everyone else is okay. That's what I kept doing up until this point was just make sure Sarah's okay. Make sure he's okay. You know, but I was like, no, what I need is for him to stop going over there. And I need to tell him, no, you are going to send a text message saying that you are not going over there anymore. Yeah. And they come in and they're like, I almost just got in a car accident. And I'm like, okay, fine. You're frazzled. Um, but I'm visibly upset. And they're like, well, are you upset? And I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, you almost just got in a car accident. Like we can talk about it later. So then I like retreat a little bit yeah. and they're like, no, like what's going on with you. And this is after I had told them multiple times, like I feel disrespected as your partner. And so I reiterated that, you know, why is this person a priority to you? You don't have other female friends. This person I know is in love with you. And they've been in the picture from the beginning. And this is something that you promised me that they were not going to be in your life. Yet here we are. And I feel like it's this never ending loop where I'm banging my head against the wall. I'm, I'm isolated from my friends and my family. It's just you and me, babe. And I feel betrayed as your partner. We're in the same house, but I don't even know. I don't, I feel not heard. I feel not listened to. And I just have tears streaming down my face. I'm like cutting lemons to make us cocktails. Like <laughs> I'm literally just sitting there sobbing. And he, he is just like, his face is devastated and he starts tearing up and he's like, I'm so sorry. I hurt you. And he says, let's talk about it over the weekend. I'll give you some context, but I don't want to have a gnarly conversation tonight. So let's just have fun and enjoy each other's company. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I'm about to explode both of our lives. So let's just have one last hurrah. Basically. Yeah. So we both get freaking blasted. And did you guys have sex that night? Uh, no. And then at midnight, like when the clock was, he was acting really weird all night, like, like just depressed and like moody, but we were like, you know, watching like the Joel McHale and Kevin Jung, or Jiang, I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> the last name, um, like their whole like funny special. And we're like clicking back b between the specials. And then, yeah, he was just, he was just kind of in like a weird mood. And then when it came time for midnight, I was like ready to kiss him. And he was just like filming the ball dropping and didn't like turn to kiss me right away and like wasn't present with me. Filming the ball dropping? On the TV for his Instagram story. I cannot. And I'm like, that's odd. Well, yeah. So. It's not like you're in fucking New York and you're like, oh my God, the ball's going on. You're like, this is a TV screen. Yeah. So then we kiss and then whatever we pass out and I. I wake up the next morning and like, I'm hungover, yeah, but I'm sick to my fucking stomach because I know what's about to happen. Yeah. And I just threw up all morning. And then he was very quick to jump up and be like, hey, let me go get us like our coffee and our little hangover cure. Like we would do micheladas and, you know, let me go do these things. And I'm like, why is he so quick to jump up and do all these things? And he's like volunteering to do these nice things for us, but he's hungover as shit. He's so guilty right now. And mm -hmm. I can see it ha unfolding. So like, 
he comes back, we take a nap and we have sex. And I think to myself, this is the last time like that we're going to be together. And I'm thinking that. And he's like, I was going to go hang out with my friend, but do you want me to stay here tonight? And I'm like, yeah, you know, we have like a big weekend ahead of us to like talk about what you said we were going to talk about. I'd like if you stayed home. So he said, okay. And then I said, and we need to talk about this Sarah situation. And they came out of the bathroom and they were like, listen, I don't really want to have a gnarly conversation right now. And I said, no, we're talking about it right now. And I sat them on the bed and I said, everything that I already talked about, like everything I had said the night before. And I said, you know, I don't even want to think about this, but has she ever made a move on you? Like, why is this person a priority? And it looked, and I, and I knew this would get them. I said, you look like you have something to tell me. Mm -hmm. And then he said, I've never seen your face look like this before. I've never seen you this upset. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really upset. You need to tell me what the fuck is going on. Mm -hmm. And so we moved to the living room and they're shaking and he's like, let me just paint the, pe let, like, like, let, me, let me just give you context. Let me just tell you. And he starts going into this talk about like when I was growing up X, Y, and Z and started telling me like things about like how he had a tough childhood and stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what is going on? And he just suddenly goes, babe, I didn't mean to blow up our life. And I'm like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And he goes, I got myself into a really bad situation. And I said, what does that mean? And they're like, and I go, you cheated on me. And he just looked at me and I was like, with Sarah. And he just didn't have anything to say. And I'm like, whoa, like, is that what's been going on this whole time? Like we, like it was so, it was too much to wrap my head around. And so I like go get a drink of water and I'm like breathing. Oh my God. And I'm like, what's the bad situation? And he's just looking at me and I'm like, is she pregnant? And he just looks at me and I'm like, what? She's pregnant? And he goes, no, well, she got pregnant in June, but took care of it. And I go, so she's not pregnant? And he just looks at me. And I go, so she's pregnant again? And he goes, yeah. In June. So not once, but twice this happened. And it had been going on for at least that long. And I'm sitting here being like, wait, so I was right the whole time. Yeah. Like I've been telling you, don't go over there. Like this person is toxic. This person is trying to drive a wedge. And I was just so severely gaslit. Yeah. And all I could think was like, I got to get the fuck out of here because if you're capable, like this is way deeper than I could ever conceive. Like this is way, way deeper than what I, um, could have ever, this was not in the realm of possibility. Yeah. And let's like, remember that this chick showed up at your house and stepped in my home when your dog died, brought you flowers, hugged you knowing that she had gotten pregnant and aborted his child. And then he turned to you and said, wasn't that nice? 
can't you extend an olive branch? Unfucking believable. Yeah. And I was just like so shell shocked because I'm like, okay, what do I even do with this? Like, again, this was so out of the realm of possibility. Like this was my one, this was my husband. This was my father of my kids. And so I, I leave, I, I'm, he's like trying to barricade me kind of like, he's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Like, let me explain. Let me explain. And I'm like, I need to get out of here. So I go to a friend's house and I'm like, I don't even know what to make of this. So they're like coaching me through it. And I basically tell them to get a hotel, tell him to get a hotel. Um, you know, let me know when the dogs are locked up. I was right around the corner. I'm like, let me know when you're gone so I can come to my home mm-hmm. and figure my life out. What do I do? Yeah. What do I do? And this is a brand new place that you guys had just moved into and signed a lease for. You had just painted all the offices. Designed it, painted every single room to perfection. Like, Like it was, this was our starter home. Like, which means that they had a thing going on and she had already gotten pregnant the first time when we went and we moved to the condo. So that's why you were having all these emotional outbursts. And that's why you were making me feel bad about all the things you're making me feel bad about. Like, I just couldn't believe this had happened. And all I, I I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, do I stay in my apartment that I just worked so hard to make perfect? I can't afford this place on my own, like a four bedroom place by myself. Like, I don't really know what to do. And all those memories that are now there. Totally. And And so now I'm, so I'm, the next couple of days were just, so the next morning he comes over and I had, I couldn't sleep and I got like a list together and I was like, well, I'm leaving you. So here are all the things that we need to tie up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I went down the list and he's like, well, if you would ever consider staying and I'm like, you lost me. This is disturbing behavior. And I said, I am horrified. I don't, I haven't even begun to dig into what this actually is. And I am just horrified at your behavior. And I am walking away from this situation. I'm not here to help you deal with a alleged pregnancy. I've, this is nothing to do with me. This is all your situation to deal with. Like I, I'm done. I'm out of here. I've, I've, I was so understanding about checking on this person who had all these mental health issues, but you were fucking her the whole time. Yeah. Looking me dead in the eye saying, are you sure it's go? It's okay. I go over there. It, and, and just scaring me to the point of not being able to stand up for myself anymore. Okay. So as I said up top, it's a lot and we're, we're slowly sifting through all the things. And if you thought this part one had some twists and turns, the bombs that will go off in part two and the repercussions of those bombs are really something to behold. Um, We sat down for this interview and I was nervous because this is me talking to someone who I care about so much and has I've seen what she's gone through. And we're also talking about someone who used to be a very close friend in my life. 
So there was a lot of mixed emotions around it all. And next week's episode is really going to not only shock you in a lot of ways, but empower you in a lot of ways. And if you are resonating with anything that was said in this episode or recognizing any of these red flags in a relationship that you are in, please, please pay attention to them and seek some guidance and some help. We will finish up with part two next week. As always, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast for all the behind the scenes fun and the giveaways that we do. Get ready for some fucking awesome new merch that's coming your way later this month. It is going to be some of my favorite pieces that we have ever done in this collection. I cannot wait for you guys to see them. And if you want to make sure that you have priority shopping and 10% off your merch, you can become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash FML talk, where there is also four seasons of mini bonus episodes that you can binge at your leisure. I will see you guys next week. And as always, have a self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.